Hello and welcome. I'm Andy Taylor and this is the Voices of Awareness podcast, where we're asking Ampleforth College, what on earth is going on? Four months ago, November last year, the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse published a report into the Roman Catholic Church in England and Wales. The report accounts how members of the Church actively took steps to shelter and shield those accused of child sexual abuse. This was done at the expense of the protection of children. Perpetrators were seen as colleagues, brethren and friends and not as sexual abusers of children at all. The inquiry examined complaints by over 1,700 victims of more than 900 alleged perpetrators. The true scale of the offending and the number of victims is likely to be far higher. The inquiry heard accounts of lives blighted by child sexual abuse, compounded by cover-ups and failures by the Catholic Church to take action against perpetrators. Much of that inquiry focused on Benedictine boarding schools Ampleforth and Downside and the day school St Benedict's in Ealing, while conspicuously omitting evidence from Worth School in Sussex. Largely, the abusers were monks themselves. At St Benedict's, the main perpetrators, Father David Pierce and Father Lawrence Soper, held positions of authority in the school and the abbey. The former was the headmaster, the latter was the abbot. At Ampleforth, the inquiry evidenced a culture where the monks were secretive and evasive. For decades, they tried to avoid giving information that might have assisted the investigation of the abuse of children in their care. Even after the Nolan Report in 2010, when monks were obliged to work with statutory authorities, the inquiry says there was no evidence that they did any more than pay lip service to it. They seem to take a view that its implementation was neither obligatory nor desirable. Ampleforth College. The very name suggests wealth, learning and distinction. For two centuries, the sons, and more recently the daughters, of wealthy Catholics have come to live and study here in the lush countryside of North Yorkshire, earning Ampleforth the sobriquet of the Catholic Eton. But has that tradition just come to a sudden and disgraceful end? So that was David Aronovich in December introducing a podcast where the education editor of the Sunday Times interviewed a survivor of child sexual abuse while at Ampleforth College. The survivor expressed particular disgust at the way that alumni of the school and the school itself on social media were currently trying to paint a picture of the situation whereby all the problems were in the distant past. That survivor reminded us that while the last disclosure to the police of abuse at the school was in 2010, that sexual offender was still teaching at the school up to 2016 and was convicted in 2017. Since then, 
they've had four different headmasters, two suicides, and they've failed two ISI inspections and now two Ofsted inspections. Here's Adam Tomlinson last week from the BBC talking to Robin Dyer, the headmaster of Ampleforth. See if you can recognise any repetition in the theme of all our problems are in the past. What, what many people probably won't be able to get their head around is, is the fact that the safeguarding issues you've had at the school, they're now over 10 years ago. And that I just think, seems a heck of a long time to actually think, yes, OK, we've got an issue here, but 10 yeah. years later you're still not meeting the standard required. I think there are different things going on here. Um, people refer to the past, and quite rightly, um, what you're talking about is, is abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, the last case of that was in 2010, and we know that there were dreadful things that happened in the past, and our thoughts are with the survivors. Mm. The points made by the survivor I mentioned earlier are really important in this discussion. It's not a witch hunt when inspectors want a school to pass safeguarding standards to guarantee security for the children in their care. This isn't about secular factions attacking faith schools. This isn't about the proletariat and the privileged. It's about the safety of children. I propose that if that survivor's wisdom was maintained at the centre of Ampleforth safeguarding attempts, they wouldn't be in the crisis of their own making today. Ampleforth has had five years of urgent warnings that safeguarding was in need of reform. It failed an Ofsted inspection last year, appealed against the decision and then withdrew its appeal. Then it failed another Ofsted inspection. And now it's asking for another inspection. Mums and dads across the nation must be thinking how much taxpayers' money needs to be spent focusing on one school in Yorkshire. So it would be really ill-advised at this stage for anyone to propose that Ampleforth's problems are all in the past. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm very grateful for you allowing me to raise this very important issue. Could we have a debate in government time on the future of faith schools? Ampleforth School in my constituency, it's fair to say, has had past problems, but these are now behind it. Yet there are some, I believe, in the educational system that are using some relatively minor issues more recently as a pretext for a potential closure of the school. This is Claire Fallon from Channel 4 News. But Ampleforth is currently banned from taking new students because of failings that put children at risk. It's a Catholic boarding school where, in the past, children were sexually abused by Benedictine monks, where the culture was to protect reputations, meaning cover-ups, meaning more abuse. There were damning words at the Independent Child Abuse Inquiry. It concluded child sex abuse by monks at Ampleforth was blatant, open and going on for decades. They said to protect children, school and abbey must be separate. 
The school says that's been done, but this programme has seen letters sent to the Education Secretary making new allegations, claiming Ampleforth College has given a partial and misleading account of the governance situation, claiming that it has no effective means of acting independently of the Abbey, and alleging it is most questionable whether this is a state of affairs in which the safety of the pupils can be reasonably assured. The suggestion that there's a proper separation between school and monastery, I think, is just not the reality of it. Richard Scorer represents some of those who were sexually abused when they were children at Ampleforth. His warning to the Secretary of State comes as a decision is expected imminently about whether Ampleforth's ban on taking new pupils will remain or will be lifted. What do you want to happen to Ampleforth? Will you only be satisfied if it does actually have to close? I don't think anybody wants to see a school closing. The reality is that if a school can't keep its pupils safe, then ultimately closure has to happen. What we obviously want to see and what my clients want to see as victims and survivors of abuse there in the past is that Ampleforth is dealing with safeguarding properly. Ampleforth College told us in a statement that they fundamentally reject the claims that the governance, leadership and management of Ampleforth College is not independent of the Ampleforth Abbey or the Abbey Trust or is under their influence. Ixter made it very clear in its report that a complete separation of governance was necessary. Jonathan West is a safeguarding campaigner with considerable experience that is very relevant to this context. So I asked him if he could explain to me exactly in what ways have the Abbey and the school not allegedly separated? Richard Scorer, on the basis of an analysis of the Charities Commission returns for both St Lawrence Education Trust, which runs the school, and the Ampleforth Abbey Trust, which runs the Abbey, found that when looking at those returns, the two entities are really quite closely intertwined. Um, the trustees for St Lawrence Education Trust are appointed by the Abbey Trust. There are lots of joint committees on a variety of subjects, including safeguarding, though the headmaster has said that the safeguarding has since been separated. Um, right and that the returns do also say that where St Lawrence Education Trust makes a surplus, it is transferred to the, uh, to the Abbey, and the St Lawrence Education Trust runs basically only on basic working capital. So um, financially, there is no separation. Organisationally, there's no separation because the trustees are appointed by the Abbey. Um, and operationally, there's not much separation because there are joint committees everywhere. So, and this is simply a matter of fact. Anybody can go look up the Charities Commission website and read this. It's not hard to find. So, um, mm. the school can say it's separate, but... Um, the paperwork lodged with the Charities Commission appears to tell a different story. Why is it taking so long for Ampleforth to get this right? Adam Tomlinson and Robin Dyer again.
Well, I think that, the, you know, it may be the same in the BBC. I don't know. But sometimes uh, there are things going on in the organization buried in files and in databases that you, you don't immediately see. And uh, in early December, um, some colleagues uh, pointed out to me some things that they had concerns about. And uh, as soon as that happened, I got in uh, two uh, agencies, independent experts in safeguarding to look at the, the files and the databases and to do a deep dive into them. And we discovered things that we needed to change. Jonathan West, you know what it's like. Sometimes there are things going on in an organisation that are buried deep in files that you don't normally see, right? First thing to note is that this business of databases is just ridiculous. Databases don't magically acquire data that nobody has suspected the existence of. They get fed with information typed in by members of the staff. A safeguarding database contains safeguarding incidents and safeguarding concerns which would have been known to the staff at the time they typed them in. If the school hasn't been following proper procedures in reporting these to external agencies, this is something that people have failed to do. When, when you refer to it, it sounds like you're talking about um, recording processes of safeguarding incidents. Well, the February Ofsted inspection report does mention that the processes for recording uh, safeguarding concerns are unreasonably complicated and need to be cleaned up and simplified. Uh, that's, a, a, that's an ongoing systemic problem which Ofsted describes in its February report. Okay, so Robin Dyer is explaining this very euphemistically. I think euphemistically is a very euphemistic way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, um... it, it, it's. Uh, let me just see if I can think of a, think of a suitable. Yeah, I mean, let, let's put. Okay, he's putting the best gloss on it that he possibly can. Mm. And and quite a large part of the Ixa um, inquiry relating to Ampleforth was actually about. Um, how the monks were really just not cooperating with outsiders in terms of safeguarding and um, being avoidant and uh, not, not assuming that uh, those regulations really referred to them. Yes, I mean, there was a clear impression that they regarded themselves, uh, regarded Ampleforth as a law unto itself that outside rules and outside uh, were didn't really apply and outside interference was not welcome yeah. that they regarded themselves as the good guys by definition mm. and therefore any advice from the outside that was contrary to what they were already doing the impression that they gave was that they regarded such outs outside advice as wrong by definition and something of an impertinence and there's a trace of that in um, what's happening with the school and the DfE, isn't there? Well, yes. I mean, if the monks are appointing the trustees for the school, um, they are going to be tending to appoint like-minded people. 
And so it's inevitable that some vestiges of that culture remain in the, in the way that the school goes about its business. Mm. And uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to root it out. Independent schools being independent, the, uh, the range of measures that the Department for Education has available to it is really very, very narrow. I mean, broadly speaking, there are only three things that they can do. They can issue a warning, and they did that to Ampleforth in 2019. Mm. Uh, they can issue a ban on new pupils, which they did in November 2020. And ultimately, the final um, power that they have is to deregister the school, which is essentially to force its closure because it's illegal to run an unregistered school. A deregistration would require an immediate closure, and if the school wanted to start up again, they would have to re-register, right. uh, basically as a new, uh, as a new um, entity. 